This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, good afternoon over North America, the North American continent. Can you imagine Carm Capriato, Aftermarket Weekly from the Remarkable Results Radio podcast? Good to have you here each and every week. We do this Aftermarket Weekly show, and sometimes we have a shop tour, and sometimes we just sit and talk good stuff with so many of our great guests. As an example, today, Craig O'Neill. Hi, Craig. Hey, Carm. Thanks for having me today. Well, we're, we're so glad you are here. Uh, you are a little under the weather, so I give you a, a million high fives for fighting the cold and uh, coming on. I know you won't give it to anyone since this is virtual. Work from home. It's wonderful. Isn't it a great thing working from home? Craig O'Neill, VP of Training for Autotext.me. How you doing, man? We are doing really good, Carm. And this has been an exciting year. And, and you got the name right. It is autotext.me, but we are changing, of course, to Autoflow, which is pretty exciting too. Thank you, autoflow.com, autotext.me. One big company, a new identity, which is kind of exciting. I like autoflow.com. Craig is here to talk about Toastmasters. I think you and I may have covered it in a previous podcast ever so slightly one time, and I think it's so worthy to bring back because I know you're such a huge proponent of Toastmasters. And if you are a leader, if you are a spouse, if you are a parent and you want to be a better communicator in, in all regards, then please listen to this episode. I think it's, and maybe hopefully it gets uh, you motivated. Craig and I, uh, a recent episode that we did, uh, I think it was episode 794, Leverage Your DVI and Drive More Revenue. That was really a, a great episode. Thank you so much for doing that. Let's give our great sponsor uh, a little do here. Dorman Products creates hundreds of new automotive replacement products every month. Part of what makes Dorman so unique is their ideation of new and innovative products. They have dedicated teams all across the U.S., Mexico, and Canada looking for new product ideas. Since every solution starts with a problem, these teams of researchers, field analysts, product specialists, and contributors consistently visit repair shops and make field calls. Now, this is to best understand the problems the industry is facing. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Other times, experts take it an additional step, further solving what made the original part problematic in the first place. Solving for a problem is what powers the innovation engine at Dorman. Dorman Products has become an incredible engine for innovation. They are constantly bringing new replacement parts to the automotive industry, and they routinely release tens of thousands of parts across all different categories. Now, why do they do all of this? To enable technicians the freedom to fix their customers' cars and trucks. To do this, Dorman has dedicated teams focused on different aspects of the vehicle to ensure that they are meeting the needs of the aftermarket. Although a lot of their parts are reverse engineering of original equipment, they also redesign and redefine solutions such as their loaded knuckles or programmable electronic power steering rack. Dorman has invested in these OE Fix innovations to help you save time, your customer money, and prevent vehicles from coming back to your shop. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit DormanProducts.com forward slash tour. Hey, thanks so much, Dorman. Uh, hey, look, a lot of things going on with the podcast. And in fact, Greg, you 
and your company and uh, Tracy and I are going to be in uh, St. Petersburg next week. Since we're coming to you live, uh, you may have a chance to uh, see us at the Institute's Summit. And uh, we're going to be there Jan 31st through February 3rd. And we're going to be in the Van Gogh uh, boardrooms, it looks like. So please, if you're there, we're going to be walking around. Please stop, say hi. We know so many of you that are going. And uh, it's going to be a great time. A lot of great sessions, a lot of great speakers, a lot of great training, lots of great peoples. So uh, I'll see you there, huh? Great people. We just had Kent and Mark from the Institute as guests on a webinar with Autoflow. They're such wonderful guys to have a conversation with. And we talked about process. We talked about implementing process. And that could be a dry topic to a lot of people. They kept it a lot of fun. I'm so excited to be able to be down there and see them in Florida, especially this time of year. Good choice. So happy to hear that. You're right about process. And if you ask any coach that has been around the horn a little bit, Craig, and you say, so tell me if there was any one or two things you think that a shop needs to work on and they could work on it tomorrow. And it really isn't a hard thing. It's just a committed thing. You have to do it. Strong disciplines. And they say systems and processes. And yeah, I think, you know, culture, leadership, purpose, and all of that great people, but what's the framework? Here's my house. Here's my systems. Here my, you know, I walk in and you got to have that framework to work around. Yeah. And processes are just that one piece, but look at how many parts of your process deal with communication. And that's where the Toastmasters stuff really starts to come in. I've been, me and Chris, both, uh, Chris Cloutier, he's, he's the one who put me onto Toastmasters. It's been with Autoflow five years now, and he put me onto it. Uh, it was within that first year. I've been a full, full-time member for over three years in my Toastmasters club. And every chance we get, every class we, we co-teach often, and you're going to hear about Toastmasters, why it's important, and how it should become a part of your professional development for your team. Well, I think part of that fear of public speaking gets taken down. And the thing that I love about what you're going to talk about today, and you're going to share your real world experiences, and you are a pretty out there person. I never thought, having known you previous you know, to that, that you needed Toastmasters, but you came back and you said, my God almighty, it was good for me. And it helped me do a lot of things, be a better listener, being able to conduct better meetings, lead a team. And the other thing that was really interesting, comfortably give and receive constructive evaluations. And I think there's a, the, the word confidence in there. Oh, absolutely. And this is sort of the thing, like a lot of people that did know me before I even went to Toastmasters, they would probably have agreed, yeah, you're a pretty good speaker. You're pretty good with people. You're good at building relationships. That would probably be a lot of that 20 years of experience in the auto repair shop as a service advisor coming into fruition. Because you, you as advisors, especially in a shop, you're dealing with the public on a day-to-day -day basis. Here's the problem. People are nice. What that means is that when you are going to receive feedback from people to improve yourself, it doesn't usually happen. Not very honestly, not unless the relationship with that individual has developed to a point where they feel comfortable giving you feedback. It's where I was fortunate with Chris and this company. It's like, does it mean I was bad at speaking that he would recommend Toastmasters? No, no. It means that there's room for improvement. You could be great. And there's always room for improvement. And there's always room for increasing the amount of impact that you can have. Thank you for wanting to be here and to share your great experiences and how it developed you. I know you got a hell of a following. You guys are doing so much to reach the service professional. And it does take a certain level of confidence in not only your product, but in your ability to communicate and get things 
across. You sent me a great quote from Dale Carnegie, dealing with people is probably the biggest problem you face in life. And you know what? I'll, I'll bet you that uh, I've got a presentation to me to make, a person to hire, a person to fire, and we, we, we lose sleep the night before over all of that. Oh, for sure. And this is very typical for, for our industry to recognize this too. You could talk to any shop owner, any technician, any service advisor, and mostly you'll find that Well, the day-to-day work in the shop, bar some exceptions, is actually really kind of enjoyable. The problems you get to solve, the vehicles you get to work with, and just the flow of things when the team is really cranking at at what it does best. And where it gets stressful is that front counter experience or with the people or someone who, as uh, you talk about problem customers or clients all the time, I always like to refer to them as uh, the clients who didn't recognize your value proposition. And why is that? And you see a lot of frustration that comes into this. And you see a lot of shops sort of like, oh, this guy, he's such a jerk, or he's this and that. And we did this and this and this and this. And this isn't, it's not our fault. How could you have made it better would then be the next question. Instead of just shucking it off as saying this guy, there's a problem with them. Maybe there was a problem with how we communicated what we're doing that could have circumvented the problem that came with this person. Yeah, I love the whole confidence thing. I mean, don't you at every Toastmasters meeting, and I don't want to scare anybody off, you have to say a couple of things every meeting, right? That is true. So when you come to a Toastmasters meeting, and by the way, folks, you can go as a guest as many times as you want to a Toastmasters club. So if you go to www.toastmasters.org, you can find a local club near you and you type in your zip code and there will be probably dozens if you're in a major uh, area. Go as a guest. You will probably have to introduce yourself for about a minute and 30 seconds in front of a group of people you've never met. And it's funny, some of the people who are really nervous, you'll see them sweating it out and they're shaking and they're nervous. Their voice will quiver and all that stuff that goes along with the nerves. But what I find interesting is due to that process of of being expected to speak, people find themselves there speaking. It's like, okay, this is the thing. I'm doing it. Even if you didn't have the real confidence, you're at least in a system, in a process now that all the other people in this room are also committed to, and that makes it easier. So you can fake the confidence. <laughs> I just love the idea of breaking down walls. And if we're talking to shop owners, service advisors, number one, okay, that listen to the show, of course, technicians and the rest of the industry. But if we have a target that we're talking to, it would be shop owners and service advisors. The ability to crash that, what is it? Is it that There's a certain level of, I don't know, nervousness, and I don't know where it comes from. Is it the self-confidence that I actually have something worthy to say, that I could collect my thoughts, put them in a logical order, and present them? What are some of the barriers that you've seen that people struggle with? I think one of the things you kind of are touching around, I think it would be uh, appropriate to call it the, the imposter syndrome. I experienced this all the time. I have 25 years of experience in this industry and still uh, standing in front of a group of people. I still have that nagging question in the back of my mind. Who am I to be up here talking to these people? But that's the thing is like, you actually have to bury the ego in these sort of moments. You have a story. Everyone has a story that they can tell that will be beneficial to someone else in ways that you couldn't possibly anticipate. Experienced this in WorldPack. Chris and I had both taught a class there. And, you know, we, we'd done this class already at Vision. We talked on some of these things, but what just was the most fulfilling thing for me, what was sort of an aha moment as well, is when someone uh, stopped me in the hall later on and thanked me for the story that I was telling and how much it connected with them. And wow, it's like, 
that's not the takeaway I expected to be able to bring to that. I was going to bring wisdom and knowledge and things and process and knowledge. And this is, that's what I was doing. But what was most impactful? It's just the stories you have because people can relate to that. I have to make a comment. Every time I hear the words, everyone has a story. I have to share. Please type them in, into the web, and then type Chick-fil-A either in the front or in the back (laughs) of that. Chick-fil-A created a human resource video, I think, 10 some years ago, maybe even more, maybe, maybe 15, and bring a Kleenex with you when you watch it. And it was there for them to realize that every customer that you have has a story. And sometimes those stories are incredible. Sometimes those stories are very bad. And sometimes those stories are happening now with them. And they're coming into your place to have automotive service, to have food. They're sometimes either celebrating or suffering. And it depends on if you can see it. And if not, it's not your agenda is as much it's really theirs if you can find it. There's a quote I was reading. You've probably read a long time ago. A lot of people have read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I picked up a copy recently, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age. And there's a quote by uh, American writer uh, James Thurber. He said, precision of communication is important more and more important than ever in our era of hair trigger balances when a false or misunderstood word may create as much disaster as a sudden thoughtless act. There you go. And how careful. (laughs) Let's get on a soapbox. We write something from our heart, and then before we hit the send button, we go back and we reread it more objectively. We reread it with sensitivity, maybe, to a different perspective. Is it because society is pushing us that way, or do do we care in our heart not to offend someone? If you haven't picked up the book, How to Win Friends, Influence People, I think the key takeaway is that what I'll come to understand is that there is no such thing as a neutral exchange. You leave someone either a little bit better or a little bit worse in every engagement. I just wrote that down. There's no neutral exchange. That is something that you have to put on the back of your monitor at your service counter. Going into the Carnegie's topics again, and because this all fits right in with the Toastmaster stuff, like we, we will, as a club, talk about elements of that book and why it's so impactful. Most of the people in the club have either encouraged someone to read it or have read it. And this is one of those elements of Toastmasters too. You're in a professional network now of people that are also trying to better their communication skills on a regular basis. So you talk about books and things you've read and areas you can improve. But one of those things that we also learn in Toastmasters is the use of threes when you're speaking. And I think it's just awesome that in the Carnegie book, you'll still see the three C's, something you should not do, right? And the three C's are you should never complain, criticize, or condemn. And when you're nervous about speaking, take that as an example. What's something you fear? You fear all three of those sort of things like, oh my gosh, someone's not going to like it. They're going to go complain about it, or they're going to criticize you, which would feel bad. And then you'll be condemned (laughs) and never welcome again. And those are terrifying prospects. But that's not what most people do. And what you learn how to do in Toastmasters, especially with the feedback that you get, you're submitting yourself to a group that's going to provide feedback on your presentation or a speech or whatever it is. And there's a method to that feedback that is not any of those three C's at all. It is structured in such a way that it's looking for areas for improvement, but it's building on some strengths. It's not even, we'll use the euphemism term for it, Carm. Uh, the compliment sandwich. Some people call it the crap sandwich too. Yeah, yeah, the good news, the bad news, the good news. Yeah, exactly. That is a method of feedback. There are some things that you're going to have to improve on though, but everyone that's in Toastmasters is there 
to improve themselves. So we actually need to get the negative stuff. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable giving that kind of feedback. They haven't learned how. Great point. Don't complain. Don't criticize. Don't condemn. The three C's. Again, if you were going to put people put a, a smile on a phone or a smile on a, you know, on a terminal as they're looking at it, when they pick up the phone, start a conversation. And today in the world of texting, it's almost like our fingers can get us just in as much trouble as our voice, because whatever you're thinking is coming out in a text and you've got to practice that level. Texting doesn't take away the emotion from your voice. Maybe it makes it almost more permanent, right? Yeah, it's funny because on that topic too, if you're going to pick up that how to win friends, influence people in the digital age, they even talk about emojis and how it's a little unfortunate that emojis haven't made their way into professional correspondence. And it isn't. It's not looked at as a professional component, but what are they trying to do? They're trying to put those human components into a digital context. The effort, the ability is there, but yeah. Let me ask you what you know about this. If I was sending a text to a customer to discuss what we discovered on their digital vehicle inspection, and we're in a third or fourth routine of just trying to get clarity, it's not wise. So uh, let's do this in a smiley face. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not advised. No, in some cases, and we'll actually be having a conversation on this later on. Thursday this week, I'm having another webinar with our friends from Malloy Business Development. I don't know that you've ever talked to Dan Malloy. He'd make a wonderful guest. Uh, he talks about the language of commitment. We're bringing that language of commitment to digital uh, communication. And this is exactly one of those questions that we're going to want to tackle because there's a beginning and an end point where online correspondence, texting, email in particular, they will not be as effective as two people having a face-to-face -face conversation or even the inflection and tonal variety that you can get over the phone. Uh, you can smile over the phone. When you smile, your voice changes and it's going to be a different sort of conversation just with that alone versus if you're not smiling and you're just talking about something as, as I am right now. But you have to find that point with digital communication where you're going to bring it to the next layer of communication, which probably is a phone call, or maybe it is that person coming to the shop. These convenient methods of communication are not supposed to replace the human interaction. They're supposed to complement it. It's supposed to stage it. And once you've done that, then you can move forward. I love it. I look forward to, uh, if I can, uh, seeing that webinar and if not hearing it on, on replay. It'll be recorded. Better listening, Craig, is to me one of those communication traits we're all guilty of not doing enough of. Thank God I started to become a podcaster in an interview format show so that I could listen intently to everything said so that I always listen intently because I'm always wanting to find out if there's value in the exchange for my listener. And if they're listening intently because it's their job on a podcast to listen and learn, how critical did Toastmasters help you become a better listener? Absolutely. Yeah. One of the roles that you take when you're a new member, you can start taking roles. And there's this one in particular, it's called the ah -er counter. The ah -er counter has one job for the meeting. You count everybody's ahs, ers, and ums. And it feels like such a jerk role to take because now you're just looking for things to criticize. And that's hard in that context to, to even put yourself into that spot because who are you again, right? That, that whole thing. So I'm not good at these things and I'm looking for this fault in others. Well, it's kind of a trick because here's the thing. Once you take that role, you become way more sensitive to how many ums and ahs and ers you take. It becomes a bit of a game in the meeting then too to 
have that odd or counter not catch anything for you. And if you listen to me, I've gotten a lot better myself with the odds or numbs, but I have a new habit that I've picked up. I hesitate to even want to tell you what it is because then you're going to hear it a lot more. <laughs> Double utterances, that, that, this, this, those little things like that really find a new home instead of a nice stately pause, right? This is what Toastmasters do to you. are ruined, by the way, for every speech you listen to. You're going to be able to notice those little ahs, ers, and ums, and those things. And not to criticize people, but you become aware of it yourself. And it's hopefully going to make you better. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, um, I may be uh, 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 guilty <laughs> of that occasionally. <laughs> of course, my number one partner and executive producer, daughter Tracy, she will occasionally say, Dad... You're doubling up on stuff and blah, blah. And it's so hard. I just did it, right? Because we're trying to fill the space. We're trying to think on the fly. And to your point, Craig, the pause is so much better than inserting an ah or or, um. And we actually have software that we will do some editing on. Yes. That listens to everything and will say there were 55 32 us, uh, would you like us to show you where they are to take them out as you're doing your editing? And you know what? Our job is to get rid of as much of that as we can to make the words flow. But, you know, if you're conscious of it and work hard at it, you will get better. If you just are lazy and you don't care that the point you're trying to make to someone, to a customer, to a team member, to an employee, to a tough situation needs, it needs time. It needs pauses, Craig, because people need to stop and think. People need to stop and think. Helps them listen too. So you're getting your listening skills in order by taking a role like this because you're hyper alert to a very specific thing. It's easier to learn to listen when you're looking for something specific. It just is. It's the same reason paying attention on a topic you're semi-familiar with is easier versus brand new material. If you ever had to go into a complex electrical class where you're learning how to do waveform analysis with a Pico scope and you're not good with those sort of things, it's just like, oh man, where do I begin, right? But if you start from a foundational element, you have something there. And this is what the roles in Toastmasters can do with the R or counter. This is a foundational piece. Eliminating filler words is just one of multiple strategies you're going to learn, but it's a starting point and you get to learn to listen with it. Well taken. And uh, I appreciate many people come on the podcast for the first time, never have done one. And they're nervous. We do as much as we can to put them at ease. And when we finally they finally hear the final production. They say, wow, you made me sound so smart. No, you really are. We just took out some of the filler words. <laughs> and it would be so nice if in life, <laughs> and this is really funny, by the way, if in life we could always filter our words through a filter is I yeah, it would take out all the but you can't. Yeah, and this is another part of Toastmasters that comes in because a great deal, actually the vast, vast majority of all communication that you do is impromptu speaking. It's not planned. It's impromptu. It's based off of your experiences, your feelings, or whatever you're faced with in the moment. Toastmasters has solutions for this too. There's a part of the meeting where it's not planned speeches that are there where somebody's prepared a whole speech and they're going through their speech. It's called table topics. It's usually the second half of any Toastmasters meeting and everybody's favorite, especially in my club with Grand Rapids Toastmasters Club 404. We have some improv comedians in our club who are just a hoot. <laughs> so our table topic sessions are usually quite comical. <laughs> but what it is, is just an 
a prompt is given to you. And sometimes it's a simple prompt. Sometimes it's uh, a little more challenging, but prompt is given to you and you have to speak on it for either one or two minutes, depending on how much time we have for the meeting. And then we have a vote for the best table topic speaker at the end of that. It's usually whoever made someone laugh the most that wins, of course, but (laughs) that's just kind of how you have to get with table topics. You have to find the ways to bring a point in, do it humorously so that people feel good. And then you realize like, wow, most things are like this in the world. So it makes you good just by practice. By saying what you did about the table topics, it's the stretch that so many of us need to uh, to get out of our comfort zone, our um uh, er zone, to learn that my peers around the table, <laughs> they're going to judge. But I'm not with family. I'm not with employees. I'm not with customers. I'm with friends that want to see me do better. And it gets you thinking on your feet in those moments as well. And sometimes it'll be a prompt you can absolutely just walk into and it's easy and it's just flows. It's just wonderful. I had a prompt once for his Die Hard a Christmas movie. And I said, absolutely, yes. (laughs) And I can't remember every word that was in it, but there was one part that really connected because getting up to Christmas, it's like walking barefoot through glass. (laughs) So speaking of impromptu, I saw you on stage in Cancun a month ago or so, and I know you needed to get up and speak uh, to whatever your topic was, and maybe it was on autotext.me. I I can't quite remember it all, but I'm sitting in the audience. I guess I forgot what your topic was when I saw you throw a chair. (laughs) And I'm sitting here saying, that's my buddy Craig. What's going on? He's angry. What's happening? (laughs) So the behind the scenes story is? So the behind the scenes story is, first off, note-taking skills were coming into play because there was a presentation before the panel had a chance to speak. And there was a couple of things that I'm sitting there thinking about what I'm going to say about the customer journey was the, the main topic and how our product can address the customer journey. I'll say Greg Bunch, he's, he's wonderful, so he'll appreciate this too. He said something that I didn't completely agree with, which I know he, he said in a way that he would agree with my counterpoint as well. But he said something about how he prefers like face-to-face relationships with people, not so much digital communications. And he alluded to the fact that the people on the panel might have something to say about this later. I said, yep, I do. <laughs> and, and he also had said earlier in the meeting, I had that note too. He said he, we couldn't turn this into the Jerry Springer show. And I said, I bet we could. <laughs> and so got up there, took my chair and I tipped it over. I mostly tipped it over. I don't think I threw that one. It wasn't a throw, but this is how the story exaggerates over time. But <laughs> But I asked Greg before, and this is important when you're going to do something a little off any kind of script or plan. I said, Greg, can I have some permission to have some fun with this? And he, of course, says, yeah, yeah, Greg likes to have fun. He's good about fun, right? So I said, I know you said this couldn't be the Jerry Springer show, but that doesn't mean we can't make it the Gregory Springer show. And I walked back, grabbed the chair, tip it over. And I said, something you said earlier made me mad. <laughs> Just enough sarcasm so that it's like, funny, right? So people are laughing by this point. Then I went into the serious point, which is that, no, we are not trying to replace customers' uh, relationship with the shop. We're trying to enhance that. And with Autoflow, we do have technical touches that we're going to make on that because how many of you have one of these? I hold the phone up, hold up the mobile phone and everyone's got a mobile phone. So what we're about is trying to meet the customers first where they're at. From there, we go into this, right? And on it goes, but what's everyone remember? Did they remember the point? No, they don't remember the point. They remember the fun part. (laughs) So it it was really impactful, Craig. Thank you for doing that. I mean, here we are now, uh, maybe two months later talking about this, but would you think that without Toastmasters, you would have even thought that through? No, not at all. Not a chance. I wouldn't have been confident enough to do something on the fly. I go every week to my Toastmasters club. 
that's if I don't miss one or if sometimes even have to do it virtually. If you get sick or something like that, you don't want to get them sick, but it's about 52 weeks out of the year almost uh, where I get to go and practice impromptu speaking or sometimes planned speeches. And it just allows you to think freely in moments that you would probably not ever have unless you were doing this. Okay. So I joined Toastmasters and every time I have a chance to speak to an individual, to speak to one person, three people's a crowd, I'm practicing because Toastmasters tells me that practice makes perfect or not. Practice doesn't make perfect, right? And even in martial arts, we would come into this point, perfect practice makes perfect. <laughs> and, and what does that mean? This is you have to practice with some sort of structure to it. Just practicing by yourself and alone, you're probably going to make improvements, some substantial ones, but you're not going to ever get to that point where you need that other body. And martial arts too, I, martial arts background uh, comes up periodically in conversations, but uh, same reason you'll never become skilled in the martial arts unless you have other bodies to practice against. Same thing with public speaking. Got it. You can't do this alone. So every time you get out and you're communicating one-on-one -on -one with an individual a team, a crowd, an audience, you're getting bigger, better, and stronger as it relates to your ability to communicate, to speak, to uh, lay up a, a thesis. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go back to that martial arts point again, because this is, I'm kind of developing this as we talk now, but uh, one of the things that you need, you have your uki, it's a partner who you're practicing a technique with, and they will give you feedback about how effective what you're doing is working on them. And in fact, in a Toastmasters club, we have achieved the same sort of relationship with the people that in our club, where you're giving a presentation or a speech, and they are giving you feedback of how effective your techniques actually are. I love that. So at the end of my speech, everyone, uh, I would love you to rate me. I'll be in the corner over there. Please come up and tell me if you like what I did. That's kind of cool. If you're an individual at a shop, let's kind of put a, a bow on this. And as an owner, just pick up the phone, go on the internet, find a Toastmasters in your area. If you're on the counter and you say, you know what? I loved what I heard. Thank you, Craig, for coming on the show. Just let me, let me go sell to my my boss, that I want him to send me to Toastmasters. Give me the pitch. Oh my goodness. The pitch is easy. First off, if you're worried about the cost of training and you want to bring some training into your team and you require training, $60-ish for six months. I don't think you're going to beat that. And since you can go as a guest free each time, front counter staff, if I were the boss in the business, first off, this is my, because I feel like it has to come, really has to come top down in so many cases. If it's coming bottoms up, that's interesting. But top down, I think is important. The art of communication is the language of leadership. That's uh, another quote from the Carnegie book as well. But the whole concept of Toastmasters is so simply laid out. You have an online curriculum. There's a little learning management site. You're going to go on those pathways. You get to do an assessment test. You get to see if what path of communication you want to do, if it's effective coaching or just project planning or just using humor in speeches. It's, it's, there's an actual course for that too. Any of those things, it's on rails. You've got a club group of officers that are actually going to work with you to make sure you stay on point. It's not just a go and show up and get better thing. It's structured. It's actual education. Your benefit is going to be, you're also engaging people in your community. You're going to get to go and talk about the challenges of automotive repair with some people and professionals in your area. That's better than a BNI group, in my opinion, especially when you're practicing those speeches. You get to talk about what your shop is like and why it's important for you as a service advisor in a shop like that to be able to be there. And guess what? These are your potential customers as well. 
another perk. So we're covering a lot of bases all in one thing here. Wow. Incredible. Here I'm stuttering and, uh, and I'm trying to find the right words to thank you for being here and to really give us an in-depth look at how Toastmasters helped you. Thank you, Chris, for sending Craig. I know it was way well worth your money. Uh, Craig O'Neill, VP of Training at Autoflow.com, formerly autotext.me. And uh, you opened my eyes to a lot. And I know for the industry, this is a, a kind of an episode that I think could uh, over and over again, not force, but move, push people to want to become better communicators. It, that includes being a better listener. Thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Carm. This is fun. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 